SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good afternoon, I'm Jolani Tulom. Suspected Islamist militants have killed more than 20 people during attacks on two villages in eastern Congo. The government says this is the latest in a string of massacres. According to UN figures, the Allied Democratic Forces, ADF, a Ugandan armed group operating in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo for more than three decades, have killed more than 1,000 civilians since the start of 2019. It says the violence is attributed to the ADF. ADF since the start of the year, following the launch of a large-scale army campaign to wipe out the militia. Several attacks attributed to the ADF have also been claimed by the Islamic State. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres says the Access to COVID-19 Tools Act Accelerator is the global solution we are looking for. He says its success is dependent on wise and calculated choices by world leaders. 3.5 billion US dollars have been contributed to ACT so far out of 31 billion needed for vaccine development and universal health care coverage. Guterres says 3.5 billion US dollars raised by Act so far as a drop in the ocean for the global set. Congolese gynecologist and human rights activist from East DRC, Dr. Dennis Mukwege, has been placed under the security of United Nations forces in the country after receiving death threats. The UN is also ensuring security at the Banzi Clinic, which Mukwege founded in 1999 in the city of Bukavu. In July, the doctor received threats after calling for justice over serious human rights violations in the country. It is not the first time Mukwege is threatened. In 2012, he survived an assassination attempt in his own home and had to go to exile. He returned to the Banzi Hospital in 2013. Tributes are continuing to pour in for the anti-apartheid campaigner George Bezos. Bezos died at the age of 92 after a period of poor health on Wednesday at his home in Johannesburg, South Africa. He was part of the legal teams of the Treason and Ravonia trials in 1956 and 1964, respectively, that defended the rights of activists including Nelson Mandela, Oliver Tambo and Walter Sisulu against apartheid. Bezos was born in Vasilitsi, southern Greece, in 1927, leader of South African political party, the United Democratic Movement, Bantu Olomisa, has extended his condolences to the family and comrades of Bezos. My condolences to his family, uh, ANC, as well as to the Mandela family, not forgetting the families of the Rivonia trial. Indeed, uh, we received the sad news that the the doyen of human rights lawyer is no more. He will go down in the history of South Africa as having intervened at crucial times during the Rivonia trial. And uh, the most uh, recent one was during uh, the Marikana uh, Massacre Commission of Inquiry. Liberian President George Weir has called for tougher laws to combat what he said was an epidemic of rape of mostly children and young girls. Addressing a conference on the subject, Weir said stronger measures were needed against crimes such as rape, child marriage and female genital mutilation. He says Liberia is witnessing an epidemic of rape within the COVID-19 pandemic. He urged the conference to look at ways to tackle the problem. Weir's comments came after a surge in sexual violence in the country that brought women onto the streets in protest. 
And finally, moving on to some sporting news, sisters Tabita and Temwa Chawinga are leading Malawian women's football. The two have been the shining light for the game and showed their prowess with the national team. And now for the first time, they will be foes on the pitch when they play for two different teams in the Chinese Women's Super League. Tabita, who is the elder of the two Chawingas, was influential in Temwa's move to Wuhan FC. She says she is happy to have her sister play in the same league as her. I feel happy my sister to join me here in China to play the same league, uh, of course, defense team. Uh, she is my sister. I know she's a good player. She's talented. So to me, I enjoy when we are together like here because I look like we are at home now because we meet each and the other. So to me, I feel feel very happy the way my sister she joined me here in China. And finally, in motorsport, four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel is to join the renamed Aston Martin team in Formula One next year. Vettel is moving to the team currently known as Racing Point from Ferrari, who earlier this year decided not to offer the German a new contract. A statement from Aston Martin says Vettel had signed for 2021 and beyond, but did not confirm the length of the contract. Vettel has 53 Formula One race victories. This is a tally surpassed only by Michael Schumacher and Louis Hamilton. Headlines at 5.30 for Channel Africa. I'm Jolani Tulo. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. For your latest update on COVID-19, that is the novel coronavirus, I'm Hilda Kekera for Channel Africa in Livingston, Zambia. When someone coughs or sneezes, they spray small liquid droplets from their nose or mouth which may contain the virus. If you are too close, you can breathe in the droplets, including the COVID-19 virus if the person coughing has the disease. Party primaries for Uganda's ruling national resistance movement have ended ahead of presidential and parliamentary elections in January next year. However, the primaries ended in violence that resulted in the death of at least six people with dozens of others sustaining serious injuries in western Uganda. James Shimanyula reports. The violence that occurred in western Uganda at the end of party primaries for the country's ruling national resistance movement has angered President Yoweri Museveni, who blames the police for failing to stop it. Speaking in the Ugandan capital Kampala, Museveni said although the violence was orchestrated by politicians, police personnel are to be held accountable for failing to contain it. The Ugandan leader wondered why police would shoot at unarmed people who are fighting among themselves. Museveni said Uganda's State Minister of Labor and Economic Development, Mwesigwa Rukutana, was captured on camera attempting to shoot people after he lost the primaries and will be charged with threatening violence and attempted murder. Museveni asked politicians that were not satisfied with the results of the primaries to prepare petitions and present them to a panel of elders, which he said 
will shortly be constituted to hear primaries election petitions. Museveni described the violence that occurred in Western Uganda as a dirty game. This game is finished. I appeal to Ugandans to be calm. We shall act. Anybody who thinks he can uh, somehow manipulate it is wasting his time. He will end up in prison instead of parliament. Chairman of Uganda's ruling National Resistance Movement's Electoral Commission, Tanga Odoi, accused some members of the party of acting with impunity during the violence. If people go overboard, they are not above the law. This country will be contained when we contain NRM. The NRM supporters should not be above the law. They should be dealt with hard like they deal with opposition. A minister in President Museveni's office, Rosemary Seninde, says the violence that happened in western Uganda is apparently an indication that next year's presidential and parliamentary elections may be gripped by violence. When we do this fighting, and yet we are the ones in government, I think we send a bad message to the rest of the parties who probably would be looking upon us to see how we are managing and maneuvering through this kind of election. That was Rosemary Seninde, a minister of state in Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni's office. Uganda is expected to hold the presidential and the parliamentary elections in January next year. Museveni, who has ruled Uganda for more than 30 years, will contest the presidency. His main presidential challenger is prominent musician and politician Bobby Wine. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African Perspective. Twelve minutes after five, Essential African Time. Good afternoon to you and welcome to Africa Digest. You are listening to Channel Africa, the African Perspective Broadcasting live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on Channel Eight Hundred Two on the DSTV Audio Bouquet on Free to Air Satellite PAS Ten, and on the internet you can find us at www.channelafrica.co.za. You can also follow us across our social media platforms. On Facebook, you'll find us at Channel Africa. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One. You can also send us a WhatsApp message to plus two seven seven six three double zero double three two seven. My name is Teddy CBA in studio with John Nitulo and Nosithe Zuma. Top stories on Africa Digest at this hour. Uganda's President Museveni blames election violence of police. Tributes continue to pour in for South Africa's human rights icon, George Bezos, who passed away at the age of 92 yesterday. 
And Zambia's economy has continued to be under pressure from various fronts. And today, the country's currency is trading at the lowest against other currencies. First in our stories today, a former rebel leader in Sarion Loan, Auguste Kabu, imprisoned for crimes against humanity, community commuted rather during the country's civil war has been granted conditional early release this was announced by country's un back to tribunal for a former leader of the revolutionary united front ruf was given a 25-year sentence for acts including terrorism extermination murder rape and sexual slavery the court said it found that uh, who was detained in uh, 2003 and is serving his sentence in Rwanda, had largely behaved properly in prison and showed remorse. Sierra Leone journalist Elias Bergener has more. I think it's the custom of the court, I would say, in terms of um, the, uh, the people that they are convicted, at least the tail end of the years uh, that they should serve their prisons, at least among their own communities, so at least they acclimatize. I mean, they get used again to um, the place where they came from. And anyway, so at least they have to do community services and other things. So other than waiting seven until uh, your tenure, your time is over, and then you come, you find it strange. In any case, this uh, conditional release normally has condi- uh, this release normally has conditions about the things that you should do. Since it ties up with community service, I mean, you yourself being remorseful sure. I mean, about the things that you did, which in the first place uh, led to your conviction. So, um, as we know, Augustine Bao, <clears throat> and like people before him who have been released, Monina Fufana and others, they had to uh, be released earlier than their own ta- than the time that they gave them. In this instance, Augustine Bao uh, was uh, uh, sentenced to more than 20 years, or almost. So he has done, I think, um, 18 years or more. So they said now, the court said now uh, that he should be released so that he returns to his people in the east of Sierra Leone and be there until uh, his time is over. So, yes, that was what happened. And reactions, in a way, since it is not the first, the reactions are that, uh, well, the war is over, it's time that we forgive and move on. The conditions for his release include a radio and television apology to the victims of uh, his crimes and uh, to the people of Sierra Leone. Do Sierra Leoneans believe that he will issue an apology as directed by the court? It is hope that he will do it. It is hope that he will do it. Other people before him have also been released, and they are here. I mean, none of them have breached um, the conditions on which they were released. So I think he will follow suit. If anything, he will want to be beside his own people and die among them. And uh, so I'm not sure he will find it something difficult. So whether radio appearances, um, television appearances, will not be something that is strange to him. I'm sure... Uh, 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 he will be glad to do it. I mean, coming away from Rwanda, where he was uh, uh, incarcerated, uh, he will be glad to be among his own kind. In the sense that uh, whatever conditions are placed upon him, gladly enough, he will be. He will do them. He somehow is not shy when he looks back 
about his life here, when you look back at what he has done, um, people, do, uh, for me, for example, because um, I'm a victim of what they did in this country, they killed my own father, um, cold-bloodedly. So, um, so people like us, I mean, we are not holding back anything. If he is to mix us again, say, for example, I'm sorry about all that I did and things like that. Um, for me, for one, I don't care about anything. All I want to do now is closure and all of this and then move on. But this comes um, after the court rejected a bid by former Liberian President Charles Taylor, who is serving a 50-year sentence for crimes committed in Sierra Leone to be moved from a British jail where he claimed he risks uh, dying from coronavirus. What can you tell us about this, uh, Elias? The perspectives uh, of the far or the abound in respect of the single man as it is. Has he ever been remorseful about what he did? Has he ever sit back and, I mean, looking back and say, what I did was wrong, and if anything, I have to pay for it? Has he ever apologized to the people of this country and to the region itself? Um, there are things that people do or people say you hold them up to it and come and see whether they deserve what they are asking for and things like that. I mean, put aside, put aside his arrogance, put aside his militancy, put aside other things. Castello, for one, is a likable character. I've met him one-on-one uh, while he was here. Interestingly enough, my own cousin who was the one attending to him, I mean, he's a technician and he's like that, setting up his own television and other things, I mean, at his cell, uh, I mean, they talk, uh, there are a lot of things that goes on between them. And even when he was being transferred to the Hague, he requested that uh, my cousin go along with him to the Hague and the court accepted and he was there. So um, what he's saying uh, about coming back and about other things, <laughs> For me, for me, uh, this region over the years has suffered a lot. So if we are to go back, uh, if, we, if, we are, if we are allowed at least to move on, that's fine. Then, but then the question will come up, Taylor and our miss. Everybody knows him. He is this kind of person who has uh, the gift of persuasion. I mean, people see him sort of like a demigod and many other things. Even across, across his own countrymen, I mean, having him again in our midst, since cares, just has done our, our backs. I mean, for me, I'm not comfortable with him being here at this time, at this point in time, no. And that's uh, Elias Bangura, Sierra Leonean journalist on the line from Capital Freetown, talking to Kumbelo Muzalele. Zambia's economy has continued to be under pressure from various fronts and today the country's currency is trading at lowest trade rates rather against other major currencies like USD. The depreciation is leading to economic instability, making many, especially small businesses, looking up to the heavens for a miracle, Arthur Davis Sikopo reports. It has been a talk of the week. Zambians took to social media with all sorts of sentiments. Some dissing the local currency, while some complaining that those in charge are not doing the right thing for the country's currency and eventually for the economy. The Zambian quarter has seen a free fall against all major currencies on the money market to now 
trading in unprecedented rates. Compared to the United States dollar, one US dollar is now equal to about 20 Zambian kwacha. Today, a 20 Zambian kwacha is only able to buy a loaf of bread with a few coins as change. For those in international trade, this has hit them hard and they have to pay more for what they would pay less a while ago. Despite having what it takes to produce and consume local products, Zambia is mainly dependent on imports for most of its needs, meaning each four of the local currency it has to pay more in imports. The economy is now in a shaky mood. This has worried a number of people. But what is causing the depreciation of the Zambian currency? Chivamba Kanyama, a renowned economist, attributes it to a number of factors that includes external debt that the country has and have now reached servicing stage. Mambo Hamaundu, another renowned financial expert, says the mining sector not performing well gives investors that instability that they may not want to see as they wish to invest. In short, there are issues around sentiment, issues around productivity in the mining sector. As you might be aware, the, the number of uh, mines which are indicating that they could go under care and maintenance. There's the mine or two which is uh, facing legal challenges and these have affected the production in the mining sector. With uh, production slowing down, the inflow of forex has uh, dwindled, coupled by huge demand for forex from government to meet uh, obligations such as debt servicing and uh, procurement of uh, crude oil. The financial analyst further says the firing of the central bank governor, Dr. Denny Kalialia, replacing him with Christopher Vunga, who is seen as a political tool with no much experience in the banking sector, also poses a great risk to the country. The sacking of the central bank governor, Dr. Denny Kalilia, brought about sentiments from all angles, including political statements. That in itself, that action uh, tends to put, uh, create apprehension amongst uh, many. And with apprehension, you know, the sentiment becomes, uh, becomes negative. What we must appreciate is that uh, Dr. Kalilia is a person of, uh, of repute not just in the country, but even outside the country. And of course, when you have uh, political talk, which is uh, not really not really progressive, it also weighs in in terms of uh, making investors appre apprehensive. Is there hope that the Zambian Kwacha would gain value in a short while? Mr. Hamaundu has this response. It's a bit difficult to predict in terms of, uh, of stability because, like I indicated, there are a number of factors that need to be worked on for us to achieve uh, stability. Some of them are short-term, some of them are long-term measures. But uh, when you look at the general structure of our economy, it is indicating of a weakening uh, currency, which is quite uh, regrettable. Zambians, especially that small business person who survives on imported goods, can only lift their head to the heavens, hoping for a miracle for now. Arthur Davis Scopo, reporting for Channel Africa in Lusaka, Zambia. Tributes continue to pour in for renowned South African human rights lawyer advocate George Bezos, who died yesterday at his home in Johannesburg. From the religious to political fraternity, parliament and the presidency, Mercedes Percent tells us more. 
President Cyril Ramaphosa confirmed the passing of Bezos during a virtual session with editors last night. He further extended his condolences to the Bezos family and paid tribute to him. I've just received news that a legal eagle of our country, George Bezos, has passed away. This is a very sad moment for our country. I spoke to George Bezos about two two months ago, and uh, even as I spoke to him, it did appear like his health was not in good shape. This afternoon, I spoke to uh, Alexei, his son, and he told me that his father was facing great difficulties, and I asked him whether he was comfortable, and he said yes, he was comfortable. So the news about George Bezos passing is sad news for us as South Africans. George Bezos is one of those lawyers who contributed immensely, immensely to the attainment of our democracy. He worked very closely with Nelson Mandela, Arthur Chaskelson, and many others. And uh, as the government, we extend our condolences to his family. We also extend condolences to the rest of all of us South Africans because George Bezos' name was a a family name, well-known name, and he had an incisive legal mind and was also one of the architects of our constitution who contributed immensely. And he will sorely be missed and we dip our heads in honor of uh, the contribution that uh, George Bezos has made to our democracy. We will forever remember his contribution. When he extended his condolences to the Bezos family, National Assembly Deputy Speaker Lechisa Tenodi described the human rights lawyer as a great monument to the advancement of non-racial provisions of the constitution. He is an outstanding practitioner of the best that our country could have ever wished for. He passes on as a great monument to the advancement of the non-racial provisions of our constitution, that people like him and their legacy will continue to inspire for generations to come, many who values the kind of principles that he stood for. We say be comforted by the knowledge that we will not let the things he stood for fall by the wayside. Bezos has been described as a man who loved and lived social justice. These are the sentiments of Anglican Archbishop of Southern Africa, Tabo Makhoba. He has extended condolences on behalf of the Anglican Church and his family. Another pillar and giant of a non-racial South Africa has fallen. A man who loved and lived social justice in our country. I met him at a couple of functions in the country, but my most memorable one is at Kunu when he, Lungi and I arrived together for Madiba's funeral. And realizing the visitor's front door was locked, we were ready to enter the Mandela home through the kitchen. We had a stern rebuke for doing this, but nonetheless, we were welcomed. A man who knew, smelled and touched township and village alike with his soul and the hands of his love. So I'm sending our condolences on behalf of myself and my my family and on behalf of the Anglican Church, to his family and to his faith community, which he loved so much. Cope says Bezos is a people's hero and advocate whose passing is a great loss to the entire nation. Spokesperson Dennis Bloom. A selfless, humble human being who plays 
the freedom of the people before personal gain. Advocate Bezos was a true human rights lawyer. He was a fearless fighter. Apartheid was public enemy number one to advocate Bezos. Up until his last days, he was on the side of the people. Advocate Bezos played a critical role in saving the lives of many freedom fighters from the hangman. The Rivonia trialist and the Delmas trialist were successfully defended by Advocate George Bezos. We want to pass our heartfelt condolences to his family, his friends and his colleagues. UDM leader Bantu Holomisa also paid tribute to Bezos. My condolences to his family, uh, ANC, as well as to the Mandela family, not forgetting the families of the Rivonia trial. Indeed, uh, we received the sad news that the the doyen of human rights lawyer is no more. He will go down in the history of South Africa as having intervened at crucial times during the Rivonia trial. And uh, the most uh, recent one was during uh, the Marikana uh, Massacre Commission of Inquiry. Meanwhile, the Secretary General of the South African Council of Churches, Bishop Malusi Mpumlwana, remembered how the country's churches had to rely on Bezos' legal mind. When we were in the deep dark of our state capture in this country, it was to George Bezos that we turned as the South African Council of Churches to counsel us and to guide us on creating what we call the unburdening panel. That was something that we crafted together with him. The Ahmed Katrada and Nelson Mandela Foundations also paid tribute to Bezos, remembering him as someone who did not only promote justice in the country, but promoted it for life. That's a report by Mercedes Percent. It is now uh, 5.30 Central African time on Africa Digest with myself at Teddy Sibia. For now, let's cross over to Jolani Tula for the news headlines. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Good afternoon. Making headlines. Suspected Islamist militants have killed more than 20 people during attacks on two villages in eastern Congo. Congolese gynecologist and human rights activist from East DRC, Dr. Dennis Mukwege, has been placed under the security of United Nations forces in the country after receiving death threats. And finally, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres says the access to COVID-19 tools accelerator is the global solution we are looking for. He says it's Success is dependent on wise and calculated choices by world leaders. For Channel Africa, I'm Cholani Tulo. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Building Africa with love. Bujambo Africa. If there are holes in this continental ship, we are its children. Let us go and stop the holes. Let us gladly do it with our hearts. And if we cannot, then let us die. We will make a plug of our brains and put them into the ship, but condemn it never. Catch us on Channel Africa from 10 to 11 a.m. every Friday and Sundays from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m.
32 minutes after 5 Central African time. This is Africa Digest with myself, Teddy Sibia. Should you wish to send us any comments on today's show, please do send us an email to info at channelafrica.co.za or you can send us a WhatsApp message to plus two seven seven six three double zero double three two seven. Cameroon separatist crises have have forced ranchers to move at least 3,000 cattle from the Central African state's English-speaking regions to safer French-speaking villages. Bororos, an indigenous community specialized in cattle ranching, says separatists are seizing their cattle for food and selling some to buy arms at change. Fighters deny and instead blame the Cameroon military, who say troops only protect civilians. Moki Kinzega reports from the French-speaking farming town of Bafia in the country's centre region, where Mbororo people have moved their cattle to. Forty-one-year-old Mbororo rancher Sulekela leads several hundred cattle to graze in the French-speaking village of Balamba in central Cameroon near Bafia town. He says the cattle belong to five Mororo, an ethnic group of ranchers by tradition located mainly in Cameroon's northwest region. But Kerala says the Mororo are fleeing the English-speaking region because Anglophone rappers are stealing their cattle. Areas like Womb, Boy Division, Bolo Division, Mezam Division, there's no place where they have not seized cows for the Moros. And when the military, they go out for their work, you see them bringing cows that they have gathered from areas that were seized from the Mororo community. And then most of the Mororos, they have gone to the French zone. So it is really difficult for the Mororo community as we are talking now like this. President of the Mororo Cultural and Development Association, Boscuda, Jaji Manu Gidado, has also moved his 400 cattle to the town of Bafia. My cattle were becoming their cattle. They will come and they will take the biggest bulls, they will take the most vibrant of your cattle and slaughter and share. People who could not even afford one kilogram of meat, they do that to you. So the tendency is that you escape. Gidado says rebels have stolen at least 3,000 cattle from Bororo ranchers since July. He says ranchers have relocated about 2,500 cattle to several French-speaking towns like Bafia to escape the rebels. One reason why they are the target group is because those guys met the Boro people and asked them to join them so that they can disturb the administration from functioning. And the Boro people told them no. We cannot. Secession is not our objective. We are here to rear our cattle and send our children to school. So now they became a target. And most of those boys thought that they were the ones informing the military of their hideouts. But separatists have strongly denied that their fighters harass ranchers. Capo Daniel, one of the defense chiefs of the separatist forces, instead blames the military it is unfortunate that we have noticed a lot of migration of uh, cattle raising bororo people the Ambazonia defense forces and our sister forces have never targeted the community at large to punish them 
for any association with the Cameroon military. So we do not target Mbororo people to seize their cattle. Never have we seen the Mbororo cattle as a source of income to buy our weapons. The Mbororo people are indigenous people of Ambazonia and it is regrettable that most of their cattle are being taken out of our territory. These are all a result of the war that was declared upon our people. The Mbororo people are indigenous people of Ambazonia and it would be foolish for us to target them. Uh, they will easily locate our camps and will become a source of uh, intelligence to the Cameroon military. So we, we are not going to, to attack them or neither are we going to seize their cutters. It is the interest of the Cameroon military to create the impression that these two communities are uh, divided so that they can uh, have an upper hand in the war. We do not attack the Mororo community, neither do we uh, see their cutters as a source of uh, revenue. Cameroon's Livestock Ministry says since the separatist conflict began in 2016, the rebels seized about 300 cows each year. Cameroon's military says the rebels seem to be stealing more cattle these days because of food insecurity and to sell across the border in Nigeria to fund their revolt. To crack down on the rebels, the military says it has reinforced control along the border with Nigeria. Felix J. Ewumbe is the officer in charge of helping ranchers in the western town of Bafusam. He says host communities should support the ranchers and their families. Ewumbe says the government gives them financial and moral support and informs them of opportunities in neighboring towns and villages where they can sell their farm produce. Already the council has put in place a milk production center for the women and then we are trying to see that uh, we can create some small jobs for the bro women or for their children. Separatists took up arms in 2017 to carve out an English-speaking state from French-speaking majority Cameroon. The United Nations says the fighting has cost more than 3,000 lives and forced half a million to flee to French-speaking regions or into neighboring Nigeria. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzaka in Yaoundé, Cameroon. Today marks the commemoration of World Suicide Prevention Day, an annual event dedicated to promoting worldwide commitment and action to prevent suicides. Suicide prevention remains a universal challenge. The World Health Organization estimates that over 800,000 people take their own life each year. That's one person every 40 seconds. More from Cassie Chambers, the operations director at the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. We at SADAG, we've noticed and we've been monitoring our calls every single day. There's been a huge increase in the demand of our services. You know, our call volumes have literally doubled during COVID. So we're getting more calls on a daily basis from the people around the country who are just really battling to cope. They're struggling. They're dealing with so many different problems um, in all aspects of their life. And I think for today being World Suicide Prevention Day, we need to be talking more about mental health so that people can understand what it is, what the signs and symptoms are, to take it seriously, especially when we know that undiagnosed or untreated depression is the leading cause for suicide. We're trying to prevent people from thinking that suicide is the only option. 
We're wanting people to get help. So today it's really important that we talk about it um, because our world is in this global pandemic and yet the impact on mental health is so much more worse during this time. The more we get to talk about it, hopefully more people reach out for help before Mm. it's too late. Now, the the numbers are quite alarming. I mean, the fact that um, there's an estimate of over 800,000 people who take their li- their own lives each year. I mean, those numbers alone are shocking. How's the situation here in South Africa, Casey, in terms of the people who take their own lives each year in, in this part of the world? It is, and, and especially in South Africa, where we know that suicides are underreported. There's still a lot of stigma and shame around, uh, you know, reporting this. Suicide in the family. So the numbers that we do know of, and this is always, you know, estimated, but there's about 23 completed suicides every single day in the country, and a further 460 attempted suicides every 24 hours. So almost every hour, there there is someone in the country who, who's taking their own life, and it is it's incredibly concerning. We also know that men are four times more likely to end their life more than women. And we also know that the most at-risk age group in South Africa is our adolescents, so between the ages of 13 and 19 years old. So we do, as South Africa, we have a higher suicide rate per 100,000 people than the UK and the US. So it is a problem in the country. And I think also because we have so many contributing factors, trauma, poverty, unemployment, gender-based violence, mental health, all of this makes it really difficult for a lot of people to cope. Um, what are the behaviours that one should be looking out for uh, in terms of just being able to see whether somebody may be considering taking their own life? I think that there are warning signs that people could look out for and you don't have to be a mental health professional to see them. It could be someone staying in your own home and we know that in South Africa, one in three South Africans will or do have a mental health issue. So this is a problem that could be in our own home, next door neighbours, in our communities. When we're looking at the possible warning signs, so someone talking about ending their life or dying or saying things like, I wish I wasn't here anymore, I couldn't, I can't carry on, they perhaps have even attempted suicide before. Also making a plan, saying goodbye, posting goodbye messages on social media or sending a via text or WhatsApp. There could also be symptoms of depression that have been longer lasting more than two to four weeks. So a drastic change in eating or sleeping habits, withdrawing from family and friends, not wanting to do things that they used to enjoy. Um, All of these different things could actually contribute to thinking that perhaps someone could be thinking of suicide. And the best way to find out is to ask directly, say, I'm really worried about you. Do you have thoughts of hurting yourself? Have you thought of ending your life? And that just opens up a big conversation where you can really understand what is going on and how to get that person urgent help. Let's talk about uh, now um, addressing stigma, which is um, quite a big thing. I mean, you just mentioned that we can't even really be sure about the numbers because there is so much stigma around this thing that um, even families won't declare um, when somebody has indeed taken their own life. So uh, how is South Africa addressing stigma that is associated with, with mental health and is enough being done in your view? You know, SADAC's been around for 26 years talking about mental health and there's always so much more mm. we could be doing to break the stigma. You know, stigma still exists where people are too scared to, to reach out because they feel like they're going to be discriminated against, uh, families are going to ridicule them or people are going to think that they're crazy or dangerous. And, you know, the only way we break that stigma is by having conversations and talking about it more so 
than, than we, you know, have before. And I think only then can we let the stigma break and encouraging more people to get help. Especially in South Africa, we know that there isn't even a Zulu word for depression. Therefore, it's often seen as not a real illness. Mm. So we have to do a lot of work in just talking about it, making it normal to have these conversations and people to, to reach out for help. And I think it also helps to have people come forward to share their experience. Sure. And, and kind of, you know, almost ambassadors to say, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, um, so that we can break down some of those fears we have about accessing help and, and where to go. And I think one of the biggest things that we need to do as a country is we need to make mental health help accessible. You know, that the treatment gap is one in ten yeah, people yeah. have access to help. So, yeah, so much more needs to happen and, and to, to break the stigma. And uh, um, uh, finally, Cassie, uh, what is SADC doing um, on this day, of course, to give families and, and loved ones a, sa- a safe space uh, to remember those who, who have been lost to suicide? And uh, also, if you can just add for people who do require emotional support, how they can reach uh, your organization. No, thank you. And I think, you know, we underestimate the impact that losing a loved one to suicide can have on an individual and a family. You know, whole communities can be devastated by suicide. And often there's the stigma and shame that falls on families when they lose someone to suicide. So what we're trying to do at SADAG is just to provide a safe space for families to celebrate their loved ones that they have lost to suicide today and for the whole month of September. We have launched our online wall of remembrance and people can go and find more information and upload perhaps their tribute to honor their loved one at sadagremembers.coza, where you're able to upload and and share your memory um, on there. That was Cassie Chambers, the Operations Director at the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. On the line, they're talking to Zikona Miso. Climate change has stopped has not stopped for COVID-19. That was among the key messages delivered at the launch of the United in Science 2020, a report compiled by the World Meteorological Organization under the direction of the United Nations Secretary General. The report confirms that the five years leading up to 2020 were said to be the warmest period on record, that sea levels continue to rise and that COVID-19-related lockdowns will not reduce CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere that remain at an all-time high, shown Price Peace reports. The multi-agency report that includes the UN Environment Programme, UNESCO and the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change finds that the concentration of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere hit a record high this year. Listen to UN Chief Antonio Guterres. As the report shows, greenhouse gas concentrations reached new record highs in 2020. The last time levels were this high was between 2.6 and 5.3 million years ago in the Pliocene era when there were trees at the South Pole and sea levels were some 20 meters higher. The five-year period since the, the beginning, since the signing of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change will be the hottest on human record with average global temperatures of 1.1 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And the report also rings the alarm that there is a significant and growing chance of temporarily reaching the 1.5 degrees threshold in the coming five years. 
experts pointing to the latest data from Greenland that shows an average loss of ice mass of 278 billion tons a year, more than 110 million Olympic-sized swimming pools, with the Arctic expected to continue warming at over twice the overall global rate, prompting an alarming sea level rise due to melting glaciers. Petteri Talas is the Secretary General of the World Meteorological Organization. We were showing that the last five years have been the warmest uh, years on record uh, since 1850, and, uh, and last year was the second warmest year on, on record. And we have so, so far we have seen 1.1 degree warming, and, um, and uh, there's a small probability that during the coming five years we would already reach the low limit of Paris Agreement, which is 1.5 degrees. So there's about uh, 24 or 4% probability that one year during the coming, uh, coming five years would be already hitting, hitting this lower, lower limit. Just take large swaths of California right now, where 80 major fires have burned more than 4,200 square miles, the size of New York City 14 times over or the floods in Sudan and Senegal, where streets have become rivers, leaving thousands homeless, as Guterres explains. The consequences of our failure to get to grips with the climate emergency everywhere. Record heat waves, devastating wildfires, floods and droughts. And these challenges are only going to get worse. As the push towards a carbon-neutral world by 2050 becomes more urgent than ever. It's good to notice that uh, coal uh, power production, coal-fired power production, is indeed decreasing uh, in several parts of the world, including, by the way, here in the United States. Uh, uh, but uh, that there are very strong commitments in Europe about it. Unfortunately, we still have a large number of new coal power plants foreseen uh, in relation to the future, part, namely in Asia and in Africa. It is now 10 minutes to 6 Central African time. This is Africa Digest with myself, Ateli Sibia. But for now, let us cross over to Nosile Zuma for the economics news. Thank you, Teddy. Good evening. Former South Africa's Power Utility ESCOM board member Vanet Klein has told the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture that she was surprised to hear that former President Jacob Zuma was involved in ESCOM board-related matters. Klein says she had no knowledge that a meeting had taken place between Zuma, former SAA board chair Dudumieni, and former ESCOM board chair Zola Zodzi ahead of a scheduled ESCOM board meeting. She says she later learned from other board members that Zodzi had met with the former president where it was suggested that a board resolution for an inquiry be adopted and ESCOM executives be suspended. Klein told the commission there were many stories about the board member interactions. I remember Mr. Zodzi starting the meeting telling the board that he found it rather unacceptable that board members were interacting on a regular basis. There were so many stories. Mm. You know, everybody you'd walk into had a different story about a different issue. No board I'd ever sat on made me as tired as ESCOM. 
Um, one of the things I remember raising with Mr. Sotsi, which I said to you earlier, was the whole issue around critical matters. South Africa's opposition party Economic Freedom Fighters has called off the protest action at Clegg's Stores with immediate effect. The parties met earlier today to discuss a damaging Tresemme advert that triggered the EFF to launch protest against against uh, Clegg's for publishing the advert on its website last week. The health and beauty company will also award a scholarship to five black female students next year. The advert showed images of black women's hair described as being frizzy, dry and damaged against images of a white woman's hair described as fine, flat and normal. In a joint statement, the parties agreed that the EFF will work with the police to ensure that all those involved in the vandalism of click stores are arrested. EFF spokesperson Vianne Pambo explains. Clicks will withdraw all Tresemme SA products from all its stores and replace them with locally produced products. In addition, Clicks will donate a minimum of 50,000 sanitary towels, 50,000 sanitizers and masks to rural and informal settlements identified by the EFF. The EFF will work with law enforcement agencies to ensure that agent provocateurs involved in the vandalism of Clicks stores are brought to book. In line with the above, the EFF and CLICS have put the matter in question to rest. The EFF calls off all protest action at all CLICS stores with immediate effect. Unilever says it will withdraw all Tresemme South African products from all retail stores for a period of 10 days as a demonstration of its remorse for the offensive and racist advert. In addition, Unilever says it will donate a minimum of 10,000 sanitary towels, pads and sanitizers to informal settlement identified by South Africa's opposition party, the Economic Freedom Fighters. According to a revised figures released by the Statistics Office, Namibia's economy contracted by 1.6 percent in 2019, compared to growth of 1.1 percent recorded in 2018. Preliminary figures released in March by Namibian Statistics Agency estimated that gross domestic GDP contracted by 1.1 percent, compared to growth of 0.7 percent in 2018. But the agency has since reversed the figures. The contraction in 2019 was mainly due to an 8.9% in primary activities as the worst drought in the century took its toll. And the World Bank has approved a 164.65 million US dollars loan to upgrade half of the 750-kilometer Isio Lomandera Road and lay a fiber optic cable in a major boost to the northern eastern region. The lender says it's its projects. It projects that the International Development Association financing will improve the movement of people and goods, digital connectivity and access to social services for over 3.2 million people living in the region. The project will provide basic socio-economic infrastructure for communities living along the corridor as well as emergency response measures in case of a disaster or catastrophe during the life of the project. 
For financial indicators, the US dollar is trading at 382.08 Nigerian Nara, 11.39 Botswana Bula, 107.53 Kenyan Shilling, and 19.66 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one US dollar is trading at 5.33 Brazilian Rule, 75.78 Russian Ruble, 73.41 Indian Rupee, 6.83 Chinese Yuan, and at 16.76 South African Rand. The US dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the British pound and 84 cents to the euro. Looking at commodities, Gold is trading at $1,945 and platinum at $919 per ounce. And the price of brand crude oil is at $40.09 a barrel. For Channel Africa News, I'm Nusikizuma. This is Africa Digest. That brings us to the wrap-up of Africa Digest for this hour from myself, a Teddy CBA producer, Lebo Musweu, and the rest of the team. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us an email to info at channelafrica.co.za or follow us on, on Twitter at Channel Africa One. On Facebook, you'll find us at Channel Africa or you can send us a WhatsApp message to plus two seven seven six three double zero double three two seven. And we play out with a song titled Amakala by Mlindo, Channel Africa, the voice of the African perspective.
nice, I wish sugar went spice, but I could put this too far. Hey, let it cool and I'm my ice, I'm so boozing and the price, I'm so casatelicious. Baba's groove and I'm a high, I'm too long and pies, crumbling a bully, my bit. Hey, get to tap, see no blind, see George, sure, go to high.